Thank you for taking time to listen to this week's message from First Orlando. You can find even more content, including video archives of this and other past messages at firstorlando.com. And if you're in the Orlando area, be sure to visit us sometime soon. Now, enjoy this podcast from First Orlando. I want you to take your Bible, open it to Romans 12. Josh already set up the series. It's called The Way. It's the way of Jesus. It's the way we live because of the mercies of God. The opening verse of chapter 12 says, I beg you by the mercies of God, present yourselves a living sacrifice. So what does that look like? Well, it's called the way. The first Christians were known as the way. It's not an easy way. In fact, it's a hard way. But it's the best way and it's the blessed way. And I want to encourage you as you, as you read this together with me. Let's, it's just a practical place that we're in in this particular chapter. I, I just want you to, to let it sink in and make some decisions today that are going to change the way you leave today. And you'll see what I mean in just a second. If I had to sum up the theme of it, it's let your love be genuine. Let your love be genuine, okay? So I'm going to read it. It's verse 9 through 13 of that chapter. Now, let me warn you, it's, it reads different. It reads kind of choppy. It, it reads almost like, um, you know, guys, maybe your wife is leaving, and she turns around right before she goes, and she gives you five things you need to get done while she's gone. It's just boom, boom, boom. It's quick. There's not a verb in here. It, they're all participles. And it's, it's, it's really an unusual way, but it's not unusual for Paul, and it's not as unusual in the Greek, but in English it sounds that way. But everything he says, I think, is wrapped around the first words, let your love be genuine. All right, let's read it together. I'm in chapter 12 of Romans, verse 9. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what's good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. May the Lord add his blessing and I pray this will describe us, his people. Now, 9 through 13, which we just read, is more focused on inside the church. What he will do, the verses that we'll look at next week, is what about those out there that don't like us? He not only calls us to love inside the building. He says you need, <clears throat> you need to love those outside, even those that persecute you. Okay, so let's start inside. Now, I, will, I want to recognize there's some of you that you've not yet come to faith. You're, you're really at a place of seeking, checking it out. And really, you don't know a lot about Christ. You don't know a lot about following Christ or, or maybe about the church. This is a great place to, to, to end up in learning about the church. Now, here's what I hope you find. I hope you find we look like this. I hope you find we act like this. 
Because what we do every week, every day, is literally a witness for, for people who are coming to faith in Christ. So there's going to be some things, I'll say this morning, that are intended for the body. I mean, they're intended for followers and believers in the Lord Jesus. Let love be genuine. Look at that verse with me. The whole theme of this, let love be genuine, abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good. The word genuine, it's a simple word. It is actually the word from which we get hypocrite. Except it has the alpha, Greek letter in front of it, which means the opposite. So he's saying be the opposite of a hypocrite. Well, what's a hypocrite? Somebody who pretends that they're one thing when they're really not. Somebody who plays games. Somebody who likes to have great image. You know, the, the optics are great in their life, but it's not reality. Jesus' most harsh words were for Pharisees who he called hypocrites. He said, you're like those whitewashed sepulchers. On the outside, you look pretty and white, but on the inside, it's full of dead men's bones. So a hypocrite is somebody who doesn't say what they mean, and they don't live what they believe. And so you can describe it in a lot of ways. I like the word genuine. I like the word sincere. In fact, some translations will, will use that word. You know what the word sincere is? It's a Latin word. It means without wax. So I'm going to tell you, I, I want your life to be without wax. You're like, what, earwax? No. Okay. Yes, but no. Look, look at this. See this vase or vase? <laughs> Depends on where you grew up. They would, in that day, they would sell beautiful works of art. Beautiful. If there was a chip in this, well, it's not going to bring the price that they would like for it to bring. So what they do is they cover that imperfection up and they use wax. They color the wax so it's the same color. And that way, when you look at it, you don't see it. And you think, man, that's great. That's what you call living with wax. It means you're not who people think you are. You simply pretend to be that. But you know the way that they would expose wax and find where the imperfections were in this? Heat. Heat will melt the wax. And it leaves the imperfection. Well, let me tell you. Living the Christian life has some heat. And there are times the body of Christ, it's tough. And there are times people do things that anger you and frustrate you. Sometimes the heat comes and you get to see the real you. I can tell you I've been driving in this community for 17 years. Used to say this about I-4, but listen, I-4 is a lot better than it used to be. If you missed the days before they opened that express... You really missed a joy, okay? I've been driving, and all of a sudden, somebody do something that I didn't like, and I just, man, I hit the steering wheel or I do something, and I'm like, oh, my goodness, where did that come from? And the Lord tells me, it came from inside of you because it's in you. There are times we see ourselves, and we don't like what we see. So what he says is, let your love be really who you are. Don't pretend to be something you're not. And so the body of Christ is called to be genuine, authentic. 
quit playing church. And let's really be followers of Christ in every way. And then he tells us how to do it. The first thing, abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good. Now, the word abhor, I don't use that. I don't know how many people use that word today. Oh, I abhor that color. I, I've never used that or I abhor that meal. It's just a word that's kind of out of my vocabulary, but let's talk about one that we all know, hate. You can translate this, hate what is evil. Despise what is evil. And then what do you do? Hang on to what's good. To me, evil is defined this way. Anything that displeases God. Anything that does not bring him honor. And let me tell you why it's evil. Because it destroys his purpose for your life. It hurts the reason he created you. His design. So anything that is counter to what God wants. It's bad for you. It's not good. And I want to remind you of three things that, that you've got to know about this abhor evil or hate evil. Number one, this is talking about evil, not people. The Scripture never calls us to hate people. It calls us to hate evil. It calls us to say it's the sin and deal with that sin. Now, that's the first thing. The second thing, this is not about hating some evil. It's hating all evil. Christians are the worst of picking which sins we want to go after. We pick the ones that are, we think are the really bad ones. Well, let me tell you, in the eyes of God, they all stink to high heaven, every one of them. There's not this sin that's really big and that sin that's not big. No, I understand they have consequences. So if you're going to choose to hate me or kill me, let's go with the first one. Uh, I'd rather have you hate me. But you see what I mean? God sees sin as sin, and what he's saying is, hate all evil. Quit having your pet sins. Quit having those things that you, you well, I'm not going to talk about them because, uh, you know, I do that, or I think that way. He's talking about all evil, wherever you see it. And then the last thing, and please don't miss this, it has to start with you. It has to start with you. Remember what Jesus said? Hey, before you pick that speck out of your brother's eye, why don't you get the log or tree out of your own? This is written to the church. This is written to Christians. And what does he say? Start with you. We're really good about pointing out evil out there. Oh, everybody's got a little soapbox we'll get on, and we'll go after the sinners out there. But this text is saying, no, don't worry about out there. Worry about in here. Start with you. What's going on in your life that you could say today, it's not right? What's going on in your life that, that you could say, it's not right? Run from it. Abhor it. And what do you go after? You go after good. It's literally the word repentance. You're going one way. You got stuff right here that you don't need to be a part of. And all of a sudden you realize that what do you do? You turn and you run toward what is good. And I just think today is a great day of repentance. I think today is a great day to recognize and to see it in ourself. And if you're struggling saying, okay, I'm not... I'm trying to think of evil in my life. Let me, let me just start with this. If you were to Google what God hates, 
one of the first verses that comes up. Now, there are other things that he hates, but this is one of the first verses to come up. Proverbs chapter 6. There are six things that the Lord hates. Okay? Seven that are abomination to him. By the way, the word, this seven idea, that's a big deal. That means this is big stuff. Haughty eyes. What's that? Pride. Arrogance. Thinking you're better than somebody else. Uh-oh. I was protecting that sin. Mm-mm. God hates it. A lying tongue. You ever posted anything about somebody that wasn't exactly the truth? You ever said something to somebody that wasn't the truth or told a story or forwarded something or tagged something that wasn't the truth? Hands that shed innocent blood. In my opinion, that's why I will be pro-life the rest of my days. Because I just don't want to live in a place where I can encourage that. I can encourage that, but I have to be mindful of my attitude myself about it. And then, a heart that devises wicked plans. Man, always scheming, always, you know, these things that you figure, I can do it and nobody's going to know. Somebody's going to know. He knows. Or how about feet that make haste to run to evil? A false witness. Kind of like the lying. I mean, you've said things about people that aren't true. You forwarded something that wasn't true. Anytime we have a part in communicating something that's not true, God hates it. And by the way, he has Twitter. He has Instagram. He's got them all. He knows every one of them. And he knows everything you said, whether it was online or in the privacy of your home. And then, one who sows discord. For some reason, Baptists left that out. I grew up in churches there was more discord. And I've known people to go out in the hallways and to talk about somebody else or to go and talk about another group. And I just think to myself, wow, did we, just not, did we not read that one? God hates this. And I'll tell you what happened to me when I was reading through this. And, and these aren't the only ones, but th- this is a good place to start. As I was reading through this, it just, it, it came upon me. And here's, here's exactly the way I felt it. God said to me, David, the church has no right to look at somebody out there and say, you are living in sin, you are a sinner, until we figure this out. We have to come before God and say, God, start with me. And God, if I'm going to withhold from you, then how can I in any, any way, with any integrity, and not be a hypocrite, speak to someone else? So I think today, God just told me we need to pray. We just need to stop. This is not the end. There's some more verses, but I, I just want us to stop in the middle of this. I want to interrupt this, and I want you to do this. I want you to bow with me, and I want you to say, God, is there something in my life that displeases you. God, would you help me to hate it the way you do? That's all I want you to do. Let's bow. If you're on stream, if you're watching on TV, just wherever you are, take a moment. God, is there something in my life that you see that displeases you? God, would you help me to hate that? 
can imagine a lot of things may be crossing your mind. I believe the Holy Spirit is the one who convicts of sin. He's the one that brings it to mind. What's worse than admitting that you have it is doing nothing about it. So today, would you just say, God, thank you for forgiveness. Thank you for grace that's greater than my sin. And I'm going to hate it like you do. Lord, thank you for this moment. In Jesus' name, amen. Now look this way, as you think about that, you just take that and let God deal with you about it. But if we're going to let our love be genuine, if we're not going to cover it with wax, the mistakes and sins of our own life, let's hate sins in our life. And then he goes on to say, there's something else you want to do. Love one another through honor. Love one another through honor. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. This is just mind-blowing. I mean, look at this. Love one another with brotherly affection. By the way, this phrase, love one another and brotherly affection, all start with the same letters that the city of Philadelphia start with. Anybody from Philadelphia? What is that city known as? Brotherly love. That's from the letters P-H-I-L-E-O is the verb form, phileo. It means a brotherly love. Do you know what this is actually saying to us? Act like family because you are family. You've been made one in Christ. You are my brothers and sisters. I mean, we ought to act like family. And that's what's so cool about when you find a church that's home for you, you feel like you found a family. I mean, I, these guys that are from Gainesville, I mean, they're, I hope they have a great time. But when I go visit other churches, I may enjoy what I experience, but it didn't feel like home because it's not where I go. I just think there's something beautiful about finding a home, and you have brothers and sisters in your life. And then this next phrase is just mind-blowing. Outdo one another in showing honor. Outdo. So growing up in your family, if you had siblings, did you ever hear your brother go, no, no, I want to show honor to you first. You go ahead. I never heard that. I never saw that. So let's, out, let's outdo one another. Let, let's think, what could I do to outdo somebody in this service to show honor? Hey, I got an idea. Let's start in the parking lot when you leave today. Just think about that when you're trying to get it. You, oh, no, you go first. No, no, you go first. No, you go first. Just find ways to outdo one another in showing honor. Man, it's so simple. And you know what else to let love be genuine? Be passionate about your faith. Be passionate about your faith. Do not be slothful in zeal. Let me translate it for you. Don't be lazy. Just don't be lazy. Be in love with Jesus to the point that it's a passion burning in you. In fact, the next says, be fervent in spirit. You know what the word fervent means? This word right here? It means boiling over. Man, wouldn't that be awesome if that described our love for Jesus? If that described our faith, it's boiling over. And then it says in spirit. Now, I, a, a note that I want to throw out to you. The ESV has a footnote on that word. And in the footnote it says it could be capital S meaning Holy Spirit. I vote that it is capital S. You know why? 
Because there's no way I'm going to outdo anybody in honor in my spirit. But when the Holy Spirit is just overflowing in my life, I'll love like I never loved before. Amen? The Holy Spirit is what makes us live this kind of life. So be fervent, boiling over with the Holy Spirit. And by the way, what happens then is you rejoice in hope. You know why you rejoice in hope? Because you got hope. Paul wrote one of his greatest letters, Philippians. The theme of the book is rejoice. He wrote it from prison. Rejoice in hope. You got hope. Be patient in tribulation. Why are you going to be patient going through trials? Because you know what's on the other side of those trials. You know there's hope. God's going to do something. Listen, none of us in here want trials. I've always said it this way. We want a testimony, we just don't want the test. But when there's a test, there's something good that comes out of it. And then the last thing, be constant in prayer. And by the way, that's how you rejoice in hope. That's how you're patient in tribulation, is you're praying all the time. You are constantly praying. It's a beautiful sentence. It's not actually a sentence. It doesn't have a subject verb, but it's just Paul saying, you got to remember let this be a passionate faith that you hold dear. And then the last thing, meet the needs of brothers and sisters. Meet the needs of brothers and sisters. He says it this way, contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. I mean, how simple is that? I mean, we could do that right now. Let's do that. How about go to the, look to the person on your right and hand them your purse, your credit cards, uh, all the cash you have on you, and just say, I want to meet your needs. Just kidding. Just kidding. We're not exactly going to do that. But you know what? If you want to talk to the person on your right and say, hey, I've never met you, or maybe you have, hey, how are you doing? And if they look at you and say, I, I don't know where I'm going to get money for the next meal, you know what to do. Meet that need. I think it'd be so cool if we could be a place where when we run into somebody, especially in church, these are brothers and sisters. We're talking brothers and sisters in Christ. Meet needs. Show hospitality. Let me give you background for this. Um, the Jews had been expelled from Rome. Now, this is written to Rome, right? The church in Rome. The Jews had been expelled from Rome in 49 A.D. An emperor by the name of Claudius, he told all the Jews they had to leave. Well, five or six years later, five years to be exact, 54, uh, Nero was the Caesar, and he told the Jews to come back. So guess what happened in the church during that time? Because the church was really established at Pentecost, way back probably around 30 A.D. All right, so the church had been growing and growing and growing. All of a sudden, all the Jews are gone. So who's left? Gentiles. All Gentiles. And then when the Jews got to come back, guess what happened to those Jews who were following Christ and they walked back into their church? The Gentiles went, oh, you're back. And they said, we're not sure we want you here. And Paul had to address that. That's why Romans has chapter 9, 10, 11. Those are three chapters where he says, don't dishonor Israel. Don't dishonor Jews. Because remember, you Gentiles, you're the one grafted in. And so think about this. Show honor and be hospitable to somebody that's outside of your little world.
Back then, they didn't have, I don't think there was one Motel 6 in Rome. They didn't have Holiday Inn, they didn't have Hyatt, they didn't have Marriott. They had one another, and they had homes that would be open. And you know what, while I'm saying all this about meeting needs and showing hospitality, it's hard to do that when you don't know the needs. And one of the things I've been concerned about the church is that we're a mile wide and an inch deep. We come together and there's a bunch of people in this room. They're up there. They're on the stream. They're on TV 45. But do we know each other? Do we know the needs? That's why we will forever talk about getting connected to a small group. Get in a small group. In a small group, you hear people that can tell you what's going on in their life. They can meet a need. If all you know of First Orlando is this big room, you're missing the best part of us because we're a family. And when you walk with us in those small groups, then we can meet one another's needs. Now, it can happen in here, but it happens so easily there. And what I think happens is that all of a sudden we become this kind of church. This is what I prayed for all my life here, my time here. I want us to be a church big enough to meet your needs, but small enough to know them. I don't want to be that big church that, oh, a bunch of people go, but... Nothing really happens. I want to be that church where, yeah, there's a bunch of people, but guess what? That just means there's people to love you and to help you and to care for you and to meet your needs. This is how we ought to live because of what he did for us. This is addressed to the church today. There was a lady who was listening to a song about Calvary. And she began thinking about all that Jesus has done, just like that first verse of chapter 12, by the mercies of God, give yourself to him. And she began to think, how shall I live because of all he's done for me? And she wrote lyric, and it's incredible. And she took an old hymn, and she put it to this old hymn. And I want to tell you, this is the lyric. I then shall live as one who's been forgiven. I'll walk with joy to know my debts are paid. I know my name is clear before my Father. I am his child, and I am not afraid. So greatly pardoned, I'll forgive my brother the law of love. I gladly will obey. Hey, as we go today, here's some homework. Go outdo one another showing honor. All right, pick something. Go out, do one another, showing honor. Maybe we'll start in the parking lot. God bless you guys. Have a wonderful Lord's Day. Thanks again for listening to the First Orlando Podcast. For more information like our service times, location, and other contact information, be sure to visit us online at firstorlando.com. Have a great week.